This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Welcome back to the Breaking Labels podcast. So if this is your first time ever listening, I'm Rosanna Gill, the host, and I'm so excited for today's episode and the conversation you're going to get to hear with Pollyanna Reed. She is a entrepreneur who left the corporate world to go out on her own, strike it on her own. She has built a business as a ghostwriter, um, a mentor. Gosh, the list goes on. Um, and in addition to all of that, is a vocal advocate for mental health. And that's something that I thought was very unique because it's not something that you typically expect from entrepreneurs, even though, as you'll hear from this conversation, it is so, so a part of the process and for everybody's life, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee or stay-at-home mom or retired, mental health is important. So I love how candid and honest that Pollyanna is during this conversation and you are in for a treat. And I say that pretty much every week, but again, you're in for another treat. And with that, two announcements. One, If you enjoy this podcast or if you enjoy this episode, I would be very grateful if you would leave a written review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast. It helps raise it in the ranking so other people see it, other people are introduced to it. It can be suggested to people as a podcast they might be interested in, but that actually happens from written reviews, believe it or not. So if you do that, I would be very grateful. And yes, I do check them and I appreciate every review that has been written so far. Thank you to all of you. I don't know that thank you really even begins to describe how appreciative and grateful I am to you. And then the other announcement is, if you did not know, we have Breaking Labels merchandise and a store. It is Get ready for it at breakinglabelstore.com. So you'll find mugs and digital downloads and inspirational pieces inspired by different conversations over the course of the podcast. So as a reminder, it's there if you ever want to check it out. I will have a link to it in the show notes, as well as links to Pollyanna's website and her Instagram so you can connect with her, as I'm sure you will want to. All right, with that, let's get into it. Okay, so I am here with Pollyanna Reed, who worked in the corporate world for over a decade before deciding in 2019 to go into business for herself, and since then has become an avid spokesperson for mental health, uh, entrepreneurship, and in using people's stories to empower others. So, With that, welcome to the Breaking Labels podcast. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. Um, I'm so excited to hear, you know, I saw on your website, again, that you're an advocate for mental health and you have an incredible story, but do you mind letting the audience know really what made you such a passionate advocate for mental health? What are the labels that you've dealt with or felt confined by it at some point in your life or career? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, 
it stems from my childhood. I was bullied a lot as a kid, um, elementary school, high school. And um, I mean, those are your formative years, right? Those yes. are years where you are just making really important decisions for your future. You're concerned about body image. You're concerned about boys. You're concerned about like so many pressures that oftentimes adults, you know, when they look at you, they're like, you don't have any bills. You don't have a mortgage. You know, what are you, what are you worried about? And so. So much. <laughs> Right. And so like, you know, I just never really felt like I fit in. Um, I always felt misunderstood. Um, I also was not a scholar. I didn't do exceptionally well in high school. Um, so that also played into my insecurities too. And so um, I would say, you know, my depression started then, right? I think oftentimes when we're little, you know, we are empowered to um, be and do anything we want in the world. And then we get to high school and then we're told we need to be a little bit more realistic. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of mm -hmm. teens get caught in that crossfire and that stuck in that gray area. Um, but looking ahead, and now that I'm an adult, I think that the most successful adults in the world, I think that, uh, and you know, you define success how you want to, but I think that we all still have our childlike wonder um, and we haven't lost that. Um, and so, yeah, so like my advocacy work comes from uh, – really relating to other people who like me, who didn't really fit the mold, who wasn't a scholar, um, really helping them understand that there is a space in the world for you. Mm -hmm. And success is not just reserved for the elite. C and D students can get it too. Absolutely. What, if you don't mind me asking specifically, what were some of the things that you were bullied for? I mean, to be honest, like, kids will bully you for anything. It doesn't even have to make Facts. sense or doesn't even have to be logical. Um, it could be, you know, the way you talk. Uh, you know, I am a woman of Caribbean descent. I am Trinidadian and Jamaican. And so, you know, but I grew up in white neighborhoods. So I was called Oreo. You know, it could be the way you wear your hair, the clothes you wear if you're not wearing labels. Like there are just so many things that, you know, people will pick on just because, you know, hurt people hurt people. And so, yes. you know, now looking back, you know, it's obvious that they weren't happy with themselves. Many of my bullies have found me online since, you know, the rise of my success. They found me online somewhere. I've bumped into them. I've received several apologies over, you know, the last few years. Um, you know, people who are in kids are just immature, but I wouldn't change anything for the world. Like it made me fight a lot harder for what I wanted. What do you feel like when somebody comes that and apologizes? I mean, do you appreciate it? Are you, I'm sure you're fine one way or the other. Like it yeah. doesn't affect you now. Like, okay, apologize right. if you need to, mm -hmm. but how does it I make you feel? It. I yeah. appreciate it. I think that if you fuck up, you should own it. Right. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much time has passed you should own it. Um, and so no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm learning right now. I'm learning how to be a more compassionate leader to, you know, the team that supports me. Right. So like mm -hmm. every, we're all evolving in some way, shape or form. Can we dig into this label of Oreo? Because it is, I don't think that's something that people only use. Like I have heard adults use that term. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that people always realize like the impact that that has yeah. or mm -hmm. can have on someone. I mean, where do you think it comes from? Is it just ignorance? Is it lack of understanding? There's, there's an expectation amongst Black teens 
Mm -hmm. Well, when I was growing up, there was an expectation to act a certain way, talk a certain way, be a certain way, right? And so when you don't fit into that mold, Mm -hmm. you are othered. And so even though I had black skin, the fact that I spoke quote unquote white, the fact that I was raised in a quote unquote white neighborhood isolated me, right? Mm -hmm. People felt like they couldn't relate to me. I was friends with everybody. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say friends per se. I was acquaintances with different social groups, right? Like to me, it just, it didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what your background was, but not everyone thinks like that. And, you know, some people are conditioned by their environment, by their parents. So it hurt my feelings, but, um, you know, I'm like, again, it makes you stronger. It makes you thicker, have thicker skin because now as an adult, you're not out of the woodwork just because 20 years have passed, Mm -hmm. right? Like as an adult, you deal with haters in the workplace as a CEO, you're dealing with compet- your, your competitors, you're dealing with customers or clients who maybe you had a falling out with, you're dealing with criticism from social media. Like, you're, so everything that I went through as a, kid, as a child, it's kind of just helped me build my armor, right? It's helped mm-hmm. me develop tough skin. Um, when I was working in the corporate world, you know, I had monster bosses. I had some bosses that would cripple me and I'd be on the floor crying. But do I regret it? Would I change it? Absolutely not. Because now I have a backbone and there's not a lot of things people can say to me now that would make me, that would crush my spirit. So mm-hmm. as long as you continue to know who you are and you don't stray away from that, like you will be okay. There's always a new day and you can always, you know, hit reset over and over again as many times as you need to. Can we talk about the, like you were saying, like the monster bosses that leave you like crying and in tears? Like, what is advice for somebody who like need, wants to understand like how to advocate for yourself? Like if you are in that sort of a situation where you, you feel like diminished by your superior, um, or, or worse, you know, what are things people can do or say to advocate for themselves? Yeah. So I, not only did I have monster bosses, but I did work for an accounting firm for two years and like my, who the people who I thought were my peers, they like, you know, when you're the new girl coming into a new group, you get all the shitty assignments and the things that people don't want to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, I eventually was let go from that job, not let go. I was laid off and, you know, that was the biggest blessing, but yeah, like I've had many times when I was crippled on the floor and, you know, and I would, you know, call one of my best friends or I talk to my parents and, you know, I'd whisper a prayer and just, you know, my dad always used to tell me that, you know, you, you can always get another job. Mm. Pride aside, it like, and that's the thing, I think people have too much pride. And that's why, you know, they, they have, um, they live um, in, in a prison within their mind. You yes. know, I, I can put my pride aside. And if I had to get a job, if I had to uh, drive a school bus or work at McDonald's, like, it's only for it's only temporary, right? But I think mm-hmm. people think like, I'm in this position, I'm making this money, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, keep my mouth shut and kind of hold on and just oh see God. where it goes. Like, I can't tell you, listen, girlfriend, I can't tell you how many times I've walked out of jobs. Like, really? Didn't even give two weeks, picked up my purse and left. Like, bye. Like, you're not trying to like, as my confidence grew over time, because I used to get so upset that my frustration turned into motivation. It literally fueled mm. this desire and this passion to get the hell out of here. One day, I'm like, I'm not going to report to anybody. One day, I'm going to be my own boss. And I was just so fired up over the years 
And then at a certain point, you stop giving a fuck. You literally, <laughs> like, you know, at a certain point, you just literally just, you develop so much belief in yourself. Yes. Because again, like, you remember, your nine to five is just that, you know, like, but outside, I was trying to do the self-work necessary, you know, just to like, to collect up, to collect myself, you know, so I can make it through the day. But like, it's a constant, I mean, the, I hate the word balance, but it just, you have to just realize and program your thinking to understand that this is all temporary. This, mm-hmm. is, this is not going to be my forever role, my forever title, my forever job. Like I'm on my way out and it's just a matter of time. I think that's such a good point because I know I personally came from a family where like you get a good job and you stay there. And that's right. just what you do. And right. like, you just accept that there's going to be things that you don't like about every job. And it got to right. a point where I was like, no. I mean, I get that, but I also have a lot of confidence in what I bring to the table. But it, for me, it took yeah. 12 years for me to yeah. say, I don't have to make an excuse to anybody. I don't have to stay here. If I don't like, I can, it can be enough that I want to do something different. Like that can be it. But exactly. it took so long for that, for me to like, separate myself from also like, well, am I a quitter? Am I a failure if I leave? And at some point, like you said, you have to just not care what people Those think. Those internal conversations are so, because you're constantly wrestling with yourself, right? Because yes. like you can't really trust outside perspective because especially most of us, we will go to people and confide in people who are not in positions where we want to aspire to. Yes. So they can yes. only see the world through a certain lens and at a certain level. So they, they're not prepared or equipped to give you the advice that you really need to excel, right? So it's very important. Like the, I believe the conversations that you have with yourself determine whether you win or lose. And oftentimes we look outside of ourselves in a book, in a podcast, in a documentary, whatever the case may be, social media, for those answers that we already have. So because I was a loner pretty much in school, I like I'm very... I will take a solo trip. I will go to the mall by myself. I'll go for a solo drive. Like I love spending time with myself and just thinking, just letting Mm -hmm. my thoughts run wild. And that's when I kind of run into or discover, okay, maybe if I make this chess move, or maybe if I set up this meeting, or maybe if I, if I go to work from nine to five, from six to midnight, I can work on my own shit. Like you start putting together a a game plan and you don't know if the answers are right. Mm -hmm. You don't know if it's going to work, but at least you're putting one foot in front of the other. A hundred percent. I mean, that's part of the reason I started this podcast, because I think, again, you hit the nail on the head where like we ask people who are not in the positions that we want. So I'm like, I need, I want to create this resource where somebody can say like, this is my, this is what I'm going through. I need to hear other people who've been through this and are on the other side of it. Because for me personally, like I was always looking up like anything Oprah had to say, watching Iyanla fix my life. Like all these things, I'm like, I got to find these resources because I'm not having them day to day. I don't right. have these conversations. I don't have these voices in my head and I need to put them there. Right. And and I don't think we realize how proactive we have to be sometimes. Like if you understand that you are on this hamster wheel and you are only hearing messages that don't feel right, well, then you got to hear, you got to find the right ones. But I think you brought up a good point of going and being by yourself and I think that's something that a lot of people are afraid to do. Right. Yes, absolutely. Like they're afraid to be alone with their thoughts because if you're alone they, with your thoughts. You have to be confronted. Yeah. You have to hold a mirror go. up. Yeah. And that can they be go. something very scary, but it's necessary if you want to experience a breakthrough. So 
you know, if you're scared, then I mean, success doesn't arise from playing it safe. So, you know, you got to a success is a success has a has a formula. You know what I mean? Like you got to play to win, mm-hmm. you know? And so people who play, a, you know, a small game, they get small results. Yes. Play small, win small. Mm-hmm. You exactly. said something earlier. And I'm, I'm very curious about it. You said, I don't like the term balance. Why? Well, because it doesn't exist, right? It mm. doesn't exist, right? Like I integrate work into my life. It's not, if you chase balance, you're just not going to achieve it. So. And I imagine, especially as an entrepreneur where you're not clocking and clocking out. Right. So one ball is always going to drop. You know, I may disappoint my family. I may disappoint my employees I may disappoint my friends like at some point something's going to drop so every single day you just choose which ball is going to drop today you can't juggle everything all the time how do you, where does that confidence to give yourself that permission come from because especially as a woman I feel like that I see or at least I see it more with women where there is like this need to juggle everything and do it perfectly and make it look like it I just don't have matter. the need like I just, well, number one, we should point out that I am a woman in a new relationship and so I'm not married and I don't have children, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one part of my life. I don't even, I haven't explored yet. Um, But the other thing is like, I just, I like when things are a little bit ghetto and messy, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like boring, like that's boring to, to even think that I can deliver everything seamlessly and perfectly. Now, if we're talking about in the context of business, sure. But like, I like my life a little bit messy. I like organized chaos. I like coloring Mm -hmm. outside the lines. So I don't feel like everything, I'm not going to satisfy everyone. And you know what? People who know me and know my heart, they know I have good intentions and they know that I'm going to spin up the block and loop back around and I'll hit you soon. Like, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) No, it's so true. And I think that you realize which friends are the ones that can handle that and which ones are not. My friends don't get emotional if I can't make lunch. They don't Mm -hmm. get emotional if they don't hear from me for a period because they know that when their birthday comes around or when their kids celebrate a milestone, I will try and do everything in my power to be there or I'll write you a check. You know what I mean? Like I'm that kind of friend. Like we're, you're going to live in luxury, baby. You'll be fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll, (laughs) like, it's not, they just, we, we will catch up with, because I want to spend intentional time with you mm-hmm. and during the season or the period where we're not kikiing and having a great time every single day. It just meet my attention is elsewhere and it's somewhere where it needs to be. But when I come back around, I want to give you intentional uninterrupted time. So like typically, you know, they may hit me and I'll let them know, but typically what happens, there's an expectation that if you want to catch up, let's get something on the calendar. Mm -hmm. and sometimes we schedule that a few months out that's fair like unapologetically saying like i have a crazy calendar we're gonna have to pencil this in and most of my friends understand that's like a thing now i think with millennials too like just getting super organized you know like if someone is texting me or if it's a quick call cool i can take those on the fly but if you want my undivided attention it must be on the calendar I think that was something I really struggled with at first, especially like with my first job, I was in outside sales. And if you're not making those calls, if you're not knocking on those doors, you're not getting results. And because I didn't clock in, clock out at an office, I would have friends that would be like, oh, you don't go in an office. You can be available for my drama in the middle of the day. And I had to finally (laughs) get to a point where I was like, 
I may not be in an office, but I can't, I like, I cannot drop everything every time you have a fight with your boyfriend for an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I would sit there. I'm like, am I crazy? But you know, but the thing is when you see the name show up on your phone, you know what category that friend is in. And so there are friends that you just, that, that I have that you described and I know, and I just don't pick up mm -hmm. and I will, I just hit them back like later when I have a minute. Cause I know that I can't balance this, you know, this Excel sheet and listen to them hollering in the background. So I just would rather not listen to the hollering. Like, I mean, if it's a really <laughs> big one, fine. But like, yeah. if y'all breaking up every week, I don't not, I don't have time for that. Right. I hear you. You, you can't need me for that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, what is something that like when you're, when you're talking to, you know, other women entrepreneurs or women who want to be entrepreneurs, maybe they're in that nine to five, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do working on a side hustle. What are tips that you give them for one, if they haven't figured out what the side hustle is going to be discovering it and two, figuring out like what their trajectory or their plan is. Well, first we have to determine whether or not they are uh capable of pursuing entrepreneurship not everyone who Ooh. thinks they're an entrepreneur or thinks they want to start a business is like even capable of operating a business or even like having that mindset there's, there's what are your clues oh i can't wait my to hear my, this. my my, <laughs> my biggest really... concern my biggest concern with my generation is um, and this is coming from someone, I want to give context and color to the audience. This is coming from someone who has a mentorship program. I've had one since 2015. I've mentored well over 200 millennials, helping them either build their businesses or, you know, uh, helping them with direction in their lives. Okay. So my biggest concern is problem solving skills, mm. um, and critical thinking skills Oh, because we are growing up in a the internet world, everything is at our fingertips. And so we are just simply breaking down over things that are over things that have, I wouldn't say easy solutions, but over things that can be adjusted, fixed, um, you know, looked at with a magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. um, I can't tell you how many times I've received calls and texts and emails from women that I mentor who, um, you know, if they were to the same energy that we put into purchasing Beyonce tickets and the same energy we put into, you know, going after that guy and, and impressing our friends and people we don't know, if you were to put that same energy into finding a solution to whatever issue you're going through, I promise you will run into it. You will like putting pen to paper. So I said, success has an equation right? You have to show your work. So putting pen to paper and really, you know, in school, we used to do long division. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Long division, uh, you know, math, like if you were to put pen to paper and really like develop an action plan instead of just, you know, wanting an immediate answer, of course, I'll give you advice where I can, but mm -hmm. some, some things you got to figure out for yourself. Yes. And so I just feel like, you know, we gotta, we gotta develop, problem-solving skills and critical thinking skills. I think that's the biggest thing. And you can only exercise that muscle by um, navigating arenas that force you to take risks, that force mm -hmm. you to jump into the deep end, that force you to color outside the lines. If you continuously play it safe in all of your decisions, then it's going to be very hard when you are up against the wall 
it'll be very hard for you to be decisive and to figure out what the action plan is. So make discomfort something that feels quite normal for you. Mm-hmm. I, have you ever been mentoring somebody who is gung-ho, like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur? And- yes. I know exactly <laughs> where you're going. And in my head, I'm like, no, you're not. No. No. But I think, so here's the thing. I give them time and space. Mm. So, so through, my, through my mentorship program, what happens is, you know, every week we meet and I give you homework assignments and we work through the homework and we go through, you know, a series of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they discover for themselves soon enough. Like I don't okay. anything. So like I, you know, cause I, the thing is like, I hope that you prove me wrong. And that's mm-hmm. the reason I will move forward because I may, maybe I'm just ignorant. Maybe I don't, I don't know shit. Like I hope that you prove me wrong, but I can tell almost immediately whether or not someone's going to excel in entrepreneurship. There's just a certain mindset. There's a certain determination. There's a certain, you know, level of thick skin that you need. Like I like, depending on how you see the world, if you, whether or not you take initiative in your day to day, like that's it. You're not just going to label yourself an entrepreneur and all of a sudden become those things. There would be a, when I look back on your life, I should be able to connect the dots. Mm. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing. They just think that once I become a boss, all of a sudden I'm going to know how to make decisions. I'm going to know how to market myself. I'm going to know how to speak up. Like there, if you, it like, you know, God, you know, if God should grant me the opportunity one day to like articulate my entire story, um, like you, it's good. It's so evident that from childhood, like you'll, the dots easily connect and you would have been, of course she's an entrepreneur. Like, Oh, you you have to connect some dots for me. I want to know. I, I love this stuff. This is the stuff that gets me so excited. Uh, okay. So I was a high performance athlete for about 10 years. I was a competitive swimmer. So okay. I already see the world differently. Um, you know, while most women, you know, they say collaboration over competition. I believe in a world where both can exist because we don't tell mm-hmm. men that they can't compete against each other. Facts. Right. So don't tell yes. me I can't because I'm here to annihilate you. <laughs> like. <laughs> Right. Like as much as as much as I want to hold hands and sing Kumbaya, Mm -hmm. I cannot help that I have a very competitive spirit. And there's a reason why there's, you know, first place, second place, third place and the consolation prize. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't my family never celebrated participant ribbons. You know, you were one or none. And so that's that's the first thing. The second thing is just like, you know, I come from a family. And again, this is also I want to say this like depending on how you are raised, depending Mm -hmm. on your environment, depending on what you're exposed to also shapes that. Right. Um, but like, I was just always someone who is, who had a wild imagination. Mm -hmm. I was always someone who, um, I just thought differently. I wasn't a scholar, so I wasn't uh, book smart, but I was street smart. So like, which Mm -hmm. meant I had to find alternative solutions because I would read a textbook and not know what the hell I just read. It just wouldn't compute. I was a very slow learner. Still am. And so I'd have to find alternative solutions to get the same answer as everyone else. I'd have to like, you know what I mean? I'd have to like mm-hmm. figure it out. So like, I look at life as a game of chess. You have to understand everyone on the board and you have to understand each role and function. So that is how I navigate and move throughout the world. And that's how I've always navigated and moved throughout the world, even in my childhood. Um, I started my first company at 21. And so I've always been one to experiment too, right? Like, you know, if this company fails, cool, we're going to move on to the next idea. I think entrepreneurs are individuals who 
see needs and take the initiative to fulfill them. And I've always been one who has had an overflow of ideas. I think there are some people who, you know, they work on one idea, they don't stick to it long enough to master it, they flip flop, they're 10 different things in 10 different years. But it's like, you know, I've always been really committed. Like, what do I want to be known for? What do I want my legacy mm -hmm. to be? This is like when I was like, literally like college, high school, like a little girl, you know, always having a pen in my hands, always writing down stories. I would always, I was really good at uh, printing my name from when I was a kid because I've always envisioned my name somewhere, whether it's on a website, whether it was on a billboard, whether it's in, you know, on, in a media uh, blurb, you know? So I have, like, I've always seen it before. I've had dreams and visions of speaking on stages when I was like a little kid, right? Mm -hmm. And I do that today. So everything I'm doing now are seeds and dreams that were planted many years ago. Okay. Well, one, I have like a few different questions, but what, what was the company you started when you were 21? I worked in the fashion industry and I was a personal stylist to very wealthy people. Awesome. Awesome. How did, how do you even get into that? Um, I used to volunteer at fashion shows and I used to keep running into, um, uh, cause when you're young, I mean, when you're a girly girl, right. You're kind of, you know, you're into that kind of stuff. And I keep used to run, I used to keep running into, um, my then business partner, her name is Bianca. And one day we're like, we can kind of do this. We'll figure it after like the 10th fashion show I kept because in my you know I live in Toronto Canada there's always events and you know fashion weeks and stuff like that so we always bump into each other backstage and then honestly like boils down to your network Craigslist was huge was Craigslist even around back then I think so but we used to apply in different forums and whatnot and just you know ghetto type shit like we used to just walk into stores and just ask like what's your stylist policy and just like just when you when you're naive and you don't mm -hmm. have answers. And again, going back to being street smart, like you're so fearless. So like, there's no, like, you're not feeling, you're not, you're not like worried about how people will look at you. Like, no, I'm walking into Zara speaking to the manager. What's your stylist policy? How do I borrow clothes from here? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just kind of like, right. And then you just, you kind of run into answers. You pick up the phone and we used to, you know, we used to call the head office of every single retailer and just like, you know, we built relation. That's how we build a relation. Like I don't, when people are just like, you know, outside the context of an interview, when people, when, I, you know, I talk to young people and they're like, you know, how do I get a meeting with so-and-so? Or how do I, do you know, like, I've crashed corporate parties. I've spent my, I spent like my last dollar on flights. I've slept on airport floors. Like, what, do, what do you mean? How? Like, I just, you know what I mean? Like you guys, are, you're killing me. You're killing me <laughs> by any means necessary. That's how, mm -hmm. you know? And the answer is not always going to be given to you. You got to figure that shit out. And that's how you exercise your, that's how you exercise those creative muscles. I could tell you the answer. I could tell you what I've done, mm -hmm. but guaranteed you may not be willing to do that because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm willing to do, I'm literally willing to do anything. So I don't know, especially when I was in my younger days, honey, my twenties, like I, I did all the things I was adventurous, like everything, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I love that. I I think part of it is because I am not like that. So I am just so like I like a moth to the light. Like right. Oh. And I I've and I'm self self-professed, like overthinker. Again, that's why I stayed at somewhere for 12 years before I finally was like, I don't think this has to be as hard as I'm making it. You know? 
and it was a journey for me. Like I, I'm not, risk. I didn't come out like you. I, this everything's a risk. Like you, you do it scared, right? I, yes. I use the term, I use the term fearless, but I only say that to mask the fact that like deep down, of course I was scared when you're doing anything new for the first time. It's like, you have that, you do have that gut feeling of like, Oh, like, you know, but I've never allowed fear to paralyze me. And I think mm. because I, you know, from a young age, I've always been obsessed with the origin stories of successful people. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, I mean, you could literally Google search, you know what I mean? Like you, this information is very easy to find and consistently across the board, you are always reminded that every great artist, entertainer, executive, entrepreneur, every great artist was once an amateur. Mm -hmm. Everyone starts at zero and you realize that no one has a linear path. And when you're armed and equipped with that kind of information, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like you realize that like all of them are where you once were Mm -hmm. and you just go for it. Have you ever seen people that have progressed? Like, okay, maybe when you first start working with them, it's a heck no to be an entrepreneur. But by the end of the mentorship, while they may decide I can't be an entrepreneur, I can certainly show up better than I am. Yeah, I mean, I think- Going through a mentorship of any kind, you will learn things about yourself, mm-hmm. right? So maybe I've had some mentees who, by the end of our time together, you know, they started their business and they were exceptionally successful. And then I've had others and it takes them a little bit longer, but you got to work at your own pace and, at, you know, you got to work um, by your, your own terms. So I don't think it's a race by any means, but the whole purpose of this journey that we have or that we're on is just like to learn something new about yourself so that you can like make better decisions and treat people, you know, with the kinder spirit and just like, you know, show up in the world with more color. Mm. I like that with more color. Can you talk a little bit about the mental health aspect of it? Um, do you sure. see that as a barrier sometimes to, to people mm-hmm. showing up in color? Yeah. So I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety in 2010 um, I dropped out of school in 2008 as a result of a suicide attempt and just like, just not feeling well. Just, I was, you know, in bed for long periods. I just wasn't, I couldn't move throughout the world. Like I had envisioned. I was very, um, I was very triggered by, you know, childhood tr- drama and, you know, in high school and just, just a lot of shit going on in my life. Um, and so I raised my hand and I um, spoke to my doctor, my family doctor, 2010. And it was one of the best things I could have ever done for myself. And then from there, I just made it a normal practice to let people know when I need help. I think I do hear a lot of conversations around women who feel bad asking for help. I, I can't resonate with that because I will pick up the phone. I will send the email. I don't feel bad asking for help because... I'm also someone who, as a kid and into adulthood, I volunteered a lot. And so I have a giving spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I want to believe that, like, what goes around comes around. So for me, it's like, you know, people are in your life to help you. Like, that, like, you know, that's like that we're seeing now more than ever during the pandemic that small business owners have to lean on each other. I don't feel bad asking for help. So I can't really relate to that narrative. So I told my doctor what was going on. I've been on enough medication. I've done lifestyle changes. I've I've had therapy, both single therapy and group therapy. And um, you know, the only way I know how to climb out of any hole I'm in is gradually. That's it. Like mm-hmm. it just it takes time. It's not something that can just happen overnight. And so, and ev- also, everyone's formula looks very different. 
what works mm. for me may not work for you. And you can't. So when people ask me, like, how did you get over your depression? Like, girl, I can't tell you that. Like, that formula is not may not work for you because I don't know your history. I don't know your family dynamic. I don't know your triggers. Like, you have to find, and that's where experimentation comes. You have to try different things to know what, you know, what goes together, what puzzle pieces fit for you. I had um, a few episodes ago, I had a gentleman on who um, has made a lot of documentaries about trauma. And he was talking about like the survivors um, and and how there is no linear way to recover from trauma or to move past it. And he was like, people want to think that like yeah. after a certain amount of time, you have it figured out or you should be at a certain point. And he was like, no. And he was, and, and also everybody copes with it differently. Just like you said, my triggers could be, are going to be a hundred percent different from yours. Ergo, I have to find different ways to cope with them. Right. Like, yeah. but I, I will say, I really appreciate you talking about it because I also feel like, somebody is going to listen to you, like listen to the first 30 minutes of this interview and think, well, surely someone like that who is just go get or does it like all that. But it's not even, but even now, like as a, as an adult, as a 33 year old millennial woman, as someone who runs a company, as a daughter, a sister, a friend, I mean, I still cry like once a week. I'm, I'm not superwoman. I don't, I don't, I don't wear a cape every day. You know what I mean? Like, I still go through shit on a regular basis because I mean, that's just what entrepreneurship is. I don't think anyone has it easy. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that it's, I don't think it's fair for anyone to assume um, that just because you see some great pictures, just because you hear a great interview that, you know, they haven't been through some shit. Everyone Mm -hmm. is fighting. Everyone is fighting their own private battles behind closed doors. That should be your automatic assumption, you know? And so I just don't look like my mess. That's it. Mm. And I don't try to look like my mess. I put on some lipstick. I put on my eyebrows. I put on my lashes. And I just try and like, you know, I try to put myself together because that's, you know, it, it brightens my day a little bit. And that's it. Some people just don't look like the shit they've been through. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I have respect for them for trying. But, you know, even if you're not at that point yet and you can't put on the lipstick and you can't put on a cute outfit, be proud of yourself for doing small things, brushing your teeth, combing your hair. Um, you know, maybe get coming out of your bedroom and going downstairs, maybe getting some fresh air. Like you, there is still something to be thankful for. You're still alive. You have, you may have a roof over your head, you know, just find, find beauty amongst the chaos. Mm-hmm. I love that you said the makeup. Cause I was just talking about this the other day. My mom raised me on that. Like if you do not feel good, when you feel your worst, do your makeup. Because right. when you go out into the world, you're at, inevitably, it's going to put some confidence in you. Because you know you're showing up, at least physically, better than you feel. Exactly. And I, same, like I have never been on a Zoom, never been in a meeting without eyebrows. (laughs) These eyebrows don't wake up like this. Got you. They may not be perfect, but they're on. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, actually, I have a question. Um, What is a question that you wish people would ask you more often? Um... Who are you beyond your title? Oh, oh, I like that. Okay. <laughs> so now you got to answer it. I know who I am. So it's a very easy answer. Um, I am a millennial woman who has fought for her dreams and won. Mm. You know, I try to lead my life in a way that shows other people that second chances exist. Um, in a way that shows people that there is life after disappointment. 
and um, I try to show people to see beyond their beyond the limits of their circumstances. You know, like where you're at is not where you have to stay. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you are not defined by those things. And so, you know, it all has to happen in your mind first before it can play out in your life. And so I've always had vision boards and journals and Again, I've always been imaginative. I'm a, I'm a visual learner. That's why I didn't do too well in school because traditionally speaking, they teach one way. They don't, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't fit that mold and forget it. But I've always thought in pictures. And so I've always, you know, if I wanted a house, I drew it or I found a picture of it and I, you know, stuck it on a piece of paper and I'd, you know, pray over it and wish over it. But those very same things that you're praying and wishing over, you better be ready you know, when they appear in your life, right? I think a lot of people are chasing goals that they're not mentally prepared for. And so you have to really make sure you're doing the work because like, you know, I always ask my mentees and myself, you know, the very thing that I prayed for and wished for and hoped for, if it were to, you know, come into my life, like, would I be ready to, to handle it? You know, we say we want a million dollars. Actually, this is a great example. So one of my acquaintances, you know, he had prayed to make a million dollars for Black Friday. And he did. But he didn't have the infrastructure. He didn't have the team set up. And, you know, it honestly, like the operations turned out to be a mess. And he actually ended up paying back a lot of that money. Because oh, he wasn't ready. Crazy. He wasn't ready. Like the idea was nice, but he wasn't ready. So you can apply that same principle to, to any goal that you have. Oh, I like that. And that's so true because I don't think sometimes we take into account what has to happen to make that number or whatever it is that goal is. And sometimes we don't actually want the collateral damage of it. Yeah, exactly. What is a question that you wish people would stop asking? Um, What I wish people would stop. You know what? So I'm a journalist by trade. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so funny because, you know, I always hear people say there's no such thing as dumb questions. I'm going to say that there is. I believe that when you are speaking with somebody, you should have color and context. You should do your research. You should have well thought out questions. So there are times when um, people book a consultation with me Mm -hmm. um, and they're ill prepared. And so I would say the questions I want people to stop asking me are usually birth from lack of preparation. Mm. Can you give me an example? I mean, something that you can easily read on my blog. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is outside the context of a formal interview, right? But something that you can find if you were to just put in as little as five minutes, Mm -hmm. right? The last person bless her heart, but the last person who booked a consultation with me through her relative, she showed up late. She didn't know what I did. And this is an extreme case, but there's levels. She showed up late. She didn't really have a full idea of what I did for a living. Mm -hmm. Um, She kind of sort of knew. And um, she had no questions prepared. Like I would never, I would absolutely never step to any of my mentors or anyone I respect with that level of um, carelessness. So she just expect you to just wax poetic, but it kind her. of, but it, it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it happens often, but there are cases where people will show up and they just, you know, but you know, that's here nor there. I think I'm most impressed by individuals who go the extra mile because mm-hmm. with anyone I invest in, 
I only want to invest in people or feed people who are hungry. Mm. And so half the job when it comes to like half the job is just showing up when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to navigating your corporate career, if you just show up, and when you show up, you show individuals, whether they know you personally or not, you show them that you are curious, that you are professional, that you are operating with intention, they will see you. They will want to invest in you. They'll want to mentor you. They'll want to give you advice. They'll take you under their wing. Like those are the types of people who get ahead. Mm-hmm. So I, so again, going back to your question, how can I tell? I can tell because people make it very obvious. And honestly, most people that in this game of entrepreneurship or this game of success, I think most people disqualify themselves. I think most people self-sabotage the process. Oh, so that's a big one. I mean, what are some of the examples of self-sabotage that you've seen? Because I think it happens pretty often. I mean, whether it's showing up late for a meeting or... Um, examples of self-sabotage, I just, you know, just being inside your head, um, mm-hmm. talking yourself out of an opportunity, um, not being punctual, not treating others with respect. Oh. And, you know, just like, I mean, uh, email etiquette, that'll get you disqualified easily. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, those are the basics and it kind of just builds from there. What do you want to be your legacy? I want to be known for someone who gave more than they took from this world. Amen. That's it. (laughs) That's simple. Well, I think (laughs) you're already living out your legacy every single day. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I had a great time. Yay. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I thought this was the perfect one to end the Soul Shaker series for the month of March on. It's been such an experience to create all these episodes and these messages for women or for anyone who just wanted the daily dose of inspiration. But I just love these conversations. And guess what? We're going to keep having conversations like this long after the month of March and long after Women's History Month. So uh, just as a reminder, if you want to connect with Pollyanna, the link to her website and her Instagram is in the show notes, as are the links to my personal Instagram and the Instagram for the podcast and the Breaking Label store. So I don't know if you realize, but it's all in the notes. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode or know of a friend who would appreciate it, then please send it to them. You can text the link to the to iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio. I or if they're old school like my parents who don't have a smartphone, you can send them a link to the website, www.breakinglabelspodcast.com. All the episodes are up there. All right. See you next week. <laughs>